Let us pray. Grant, O oh Lord, that because we have met together here today, life may grow greater for those who have lost faith in it, simpler for those who are confused by it, more secure for those who would escape it, happier for those who may be tasting the bitterness of it, safer for those who are feeling the peril of it, more friendly for those who are feeling the loneliness of it, and holier for all to whom life may have lost its dignity, its beauty, and its meaning. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I admit to standing before you this morning tired, spiritually, emotionally, physically. I'm tired. It's been a full week at the cathedral and the world. A funeral, followed by another funeral, followed by an ordination, followed by a pride parade, followed by a prayer service last night, and now, today, I am on two out of three Sunday services. And if I'm really honest, that was just Thursday to this morning. And of course, there have been many full weeks prior to this one. And I look out among you, and I know bits and pieces of your lives and the things that you carry. And I know you're tired, too. It can be frustrating at times like this when we feel tired, when we are overwhelmed and frustrated to have a gospel like we had this morning, where we don't encounter, perhaps, the Jesus we would prefer. Where's the Jesus who gathers the little children to his lap? Where is the Jesus who turned water into wine and danced the wedding dance? Where is the Jesus who silently prays, who takes naps in boats and lifts the brokenhearted as he raises people from the dead? Today we find Jesus in the words of our evangelist Luke with his face set to go to Jerusalem, which means we encounter a Jesus who is intently or intensely living his call of salvation, that there is time for nothing else. I can sometimes be frustrated by what I perceive as the harshness and the insensitivity to very real and reasonable requests from those who wish to follow Jesus, to bury our dead, to honor the relationships we have with others. Let the dead bury their dead. Don't say goodbye. As someone who literally this week buried the dead, and someone who spoke this week often and repeatedly about the importance of relationship, my tired self is frustrated with what I perceived at first 
When I read this gospel earlier in the week in preparation for this sermon, that Jesus is being obtuse to the real needs of those he asks to follow him. And after spending hours yesterday morning shouting joyfully God's love for God's people in the blazing, burning, hot heat, I came home. I took a cool shower and took a nap. It's really amazing, the restorative power of a nap. When I woke up, I came back to the scripture again. And I saw something I didn't see before. Throughout the verses of our gospel reading, we're actually seeing a collection of moments. A moment between Jesus and his disciples where the disciples seek retaliation and retribution, and to be completely honest, the utter destruction of those who do not receive Jesus. And Jesus rebuked them and says absolutely nothing about those who rejected him. We see a moment where Jesus tells someone that following him leads to places unknown and uncomfortable. We see a moment where Jesus tells someone that to follow him is inconvenient and often filled with hard choices. We see a moment where Jesus tells someone that to follow him is to seize every moment for the sake of Christ and not to be distracted by what is left behind. Yes, Jesus is being very extreme. But keep in mind, Jesus has already told his disciples that he will be killed and in three days raised. Having set his face to Jerusalem, Jesus knows that his moments remaining with his disciples are fewer and far between. He's telling his disciples that they cannot continue to make excuses. Jesus is now moving with a sense of urgency. And Jesus knows that every minute Every conversation, every interaction, every moment matters. Don't waste the moments, Jesus is telling his disciples. I won't be here much longer to continually remind you that every moment counts. And I look back at my full week. I look back at the past three days, and I wonder about the moments it contained. Did every moment count? Did I show up in every moment recognizing how much they matter? As you look back three days, did you? Beloveds, 
our life is measured in moments. And no, we don't make every moment count. We're human. But we have real and lived experience of moments not wasted. How do we measure the moment in 1865, two years after the Emancipation Proclamation, when the last slaves of this country were freed? How do we measure the moment in 1920, on the, when the 19th Amendment to the US Constitution was ratified and white women were granted the right to vote? How do we measure the moment in 1955 when Rosa Parks, tired, sat where she sat on a bus? How do we measure 525,600 minutes, 525,000 lonely souls dear? If we measure life, in increments of moments, what will be the moments that stand out in our life, in our faith, in our ministry as followers of Christ? Jesus is telling us that every moment counts. Jesus is asking us to set our faces to Jerusalem and to live purposely as followers. Jesus is telling us that the moments of our life matter, and the people we live and work and worship with matter. May our moments count, because God is counting on us. Amen.